Hi everybody, I'm Taylor Onion and this is Power the Journey. We are powered by Game Plan with partners such as the NFL, NBA, Pac-12 and over 300 athletic organizations. Game Plan is the only all-in-one platform for total athlete development on and off the field. Game Plan is also the single largest community of student athletes seeking employment opportunities in the world. So whether you're an organization looking to create comprehensive e-learning education or an employer looking for your next star employee, ask yourself, did I game plan it? For more information, visit GamePlan at wearegameplan.com. That's wearegameplan.com. All right, as I previously mentioned, I'm your host, Taylor Onion, and we are talking to folks from all aspects of athletics, from former athletes to administrators at the college and pro levels. Today's guest is the Associate Director of Student Athlete Development at the University of Miami, otherwise known as the U, uh, where she oversees career and leadership development programming for student athletes. She has had stints at The Ohio State University, Kansas State University. She's a member of N4A and Women Leaders in College Sports and a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. LaToya, welcome. How are you? Good. Thank you so much, Taylor. I was like, oh, I have done all those things. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of fun, right? To listen back to the to the accomplishments so far. So right. this is this is a good place for us to start. So what I'd love to do is have you kind of I, I touched on them briefly, obviously, but I'd love to have you walk us through kind of your journey to date. Yeah. So um, starting with I mean, right out of college, I went to Kansas State University and I got my bachelor's degree in social work and um, I was a foster care social worker for about four years prior to going back to school and getting my master's in college student development. While I was a foster care social worker, I had always, um, you know, wanted to keep my ties to athletics because I had been on the dance team at K-State and I had like worked in some of the games. And so just as a way to one selfishly be able to go to the games um, for free <laughs> and then to still have a connection, I was a ticket taker, well, slash usher in um in the premium level. So I worked as a suite attendant. And while I was there, I started to work with our grad assistants and they were telling me about their uh, major in college student development. And so I had gotten, um, I, I kind of got that sparked an interest for me. And then um, one day I was watching a football game and I saw how all of the players were majoring in to me the same thing, which was sociology. And, and I, and I personally, it, it personally struck a chord with me because it took me six years to get my undergrad degree. And part, part of that was because I switched my major, but I had been told I could get a sociology degree within four years, or I could have tacked on another year and a half and gotten my social work degree. Mm -hmm. And the advisor I had at the time was telling me that as a sociology major, I'd have to be, I have to make myself very marketable to find a job. Whereas getting a social work degree, I would just be able to find a job. And so to, that really stood out to me because you know, I was a first generation college student. The whole point of going to college is to get a good job. So I didn't want to make it harder for myself to get a job. So I went into social work, stayed in school for that. So then when I saw all these players having a sociology degree, I was like, do they know how much more marketable they have to make themselves? You know, so right. when I decided to go back to school, it was kind of um, to go save the world of um, all these sociology degree people, I guess, is what... <laughs> In my naivety is what I thought at the time. So anyway, I did get back to um, gotten to graduate school and was working in the career services office in addition to doing student, I mean, working um, in operations for athletics. So I, I did an assistantship in both those areas. 
when I graduated, my um, boss gave me, you know, offered me a position at the career services office at Kansas State, where I had been doing one of my assistantships. And I worked there for 10 years doing career services and was like the unofficial liaison to athletics prior to them hiring their own student athlete development team. And then, um, you know, I realized that for me, I had been helping everybody else find their dream jobs because, you know, that was my job was in career services to just help everybody else. And I was like, you know what, you need to focus on what your dream job is too. I'm like, you went to school to get this degree to help student athletes and you're doing it, but not in the same way that, you know, you intend it to. So at that point, you know, I got like really active in, in 4A as much as I could. My boss at the time, you know, she was very supportive and she allowed me to do um, professional development in athletics as long as I did something career services related. So I was able to do both. And I started getting connected to people, you know, having the informational interviews, finding out more about what, um, you know, like what it all entailed, what I needed to do. And so I was applying for jobs, getting interviews, but people were saying like, you don't have the experience, the full-time experience. And I remember somebody saying, if you can just find a place that just wants a career person in athletics, that's going to be like perfect for you. And then here comes Ohio State. And <laughs> that's the exact job that they had. And I was able to get a full-time position at Ohio State um, doing career services, did that for seven years. And then, um, you know, recently was able to um, switch over here to the ACC and um, down in Florida. So I've been at Miami now for almost seven months doing student athlete development and, you know, completely loving it. So what point along the way, I mean, you, you mentioned obviously your, how, how you got to student athlete development, but at what point were you like, this is absolute, I need to be in athletics to kind of have the, the career that I want to have, have the impact that I want to have. Right. And so that's when I was at K-State. Like I said, I was, I felt like I was helping everyone else like achieve their dreams. And I was just like, I need to be focusing on mine. And I remember I was an advisor for my sorority at the time. And we were having a meeting about like who would be the next advisors for. And, you know, and I told them that I'm very interested, but I was just like, I'm also going to focus on getting out of here. You know, like I was like, that's, this is what I need to do. And I remember telling them that and like tearing up because I was like, I help everybody else, you know, find their dream jobs and what they want to do. And yet I'm not doing it for myself. And so it was then that I was just like, I'm going to, you know, just put myself out there, you know, apply to different positions, talk to people. And that was kind of just when that switched happened for me. And thankfully, you know, the right opportunity came along and I was able to, to get it there. So I think, and even when I started out in, I'm trying to think would have been 2015, 16, somewhere 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there, I'm going to lump myself into the teens of of their <laughs> having an interest in student athlete development at that time, it was like a brand new, you know, where it's still kind of the life skills, maybe yeah. we're going to be our own thing, but usually it's an academic person. So there's been a huge, I mean, just kind of evolution of student athlete development as a field. We've seen that, right. you know, even in the restructuring of, of N4A to include student athlete development professionals, all those kinds of things. What has that, I mean, specifically for you, other than, you know, obviously providing more job opportunities that are specific in this space, but what does that kind of look like, you know, for you from when you started to what the field looks like now? I love the direction the field is going in now. And I do tell people, so I got my master's degree in 2006 
And I didn't get my first, like I didn't start working at Ohio State till 2014. Mm -hmm. So um, I started in 2004. So for me, it was a 10 year journey to get my first position in athletic, my first full-time position in athletics. And um, one thing I will say is that at the time, you know, you mentioned life skills. And I remember I went to the life skills symposiums and all of those things, but I felt like, and again, I was an outsider looking in, I felt like a lot of people or a lot of places were kind of like checkboxing the, the champs life skills program, you know, like, oh yeah, we do one career development thing, check, we do, you know, we, you know, so they were like checkboxing everything. And so what I'm loving now is that people are really starting to focus on it. And it's not just like something they have to check off. And so that's the growth that I've seen in student athlete development. You know, I know when I got in it, it was like I had to get in where I could fit it. And that was specifically in career. But I had been an adjunct instructor for our leadership department at K-State. I had, you know, worked in the past with juvenile offenders. I had like all this like a ver um, variety of experiences. So I'm like, I know that I'm capable of doing more than just career development. And so it was just like once I got into that space, then it, start it started to evolve more into, you know, the leadership development, the personal development, and then just like the background that I have in social work has been extremely helpful in working with student athletes. So I really just love the way that it's going now because I think most places are really looking at student athletes as people, not just numbers, and they're looking at them holistically. Mm -hmm. Very true. So in your role, your relatively new role, seven months is still pretty new uh, at the U. So you've been there for a little while. So tell us about your current role. Tell us how you got from Ohio State now to being at the U. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was in a transition during uh, my time at Ohio State. I was done with athletics, but I was working in our office of institutional equity. And that job just you know, it showed me so much about just like the way the institution is run because it had a lot to deal with um, discrimination or harassment regarding protected class status. So I learned a whole lot about like policies and just all and resources and all of these great things. And, you know, fortunately, I still kept my ties to athletics. So I was still a part of N4A and I was um, on the subcommittee for the engagement team. And I was a co-chair with Alexander Martin, who had this role prior to me. And, um, you know, he kept telling me all the time, like, we got to get you back in athletics, we got to get you back in athletics. And, you know, for me, it was like, okay, well, when the right position comes along, because I had applied for positions, and, you know, for whatever reason, some of them didn't work out. And, um, you know, and so he was just like, we got to, you know, so I still kept applying, you know, and I was just like something, the right thing will happen. And, you know, fortunately, he was able to get a new position, which left his open. And he reached out to me right away and just said, hey, would you want to move to Miami? And I was just like, why not? Like, who, who wouldn't want to move? I mean, there's some people who say that they wouldn't want to move <laughs> here, but living in Ohio and um, dealing with the cold, and I'm not really a cold person. I was just like, mm -hmm. Florida sounds amazing in that sense. So, um, you know, went through the process and everything, was fortunate enough to get selected and hired for this position. And um, I forgot the rest of your question. <laughs> <laughs> just, just what are you doing? What are you overseeing in your role? I, yeah, I got you. It was a Thank long, you. it was a long question. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so once I got here, you know, one of the things that um, I was told was that because I did have a strong background in career, that that was an area that we could, um, you know, expand a little bit more here. And so I specifically oversee our career development and the, um, 
and our leadership development of our student athletes. We all take um, part of the per personal development for um, pretty much um, everything else, but those are like my main focuses. So I oversee our Hurricane Leadership Academy um, right now with, um, I think I have 15 students in it right now. And then we haven't launched it yet, but we are gonna be launching a women's leadership program. And so it'll just be strictly focused on women's leadership. And so we'll, um, I'll be over that and the curriculum for the leadership, um, the women's leadership program, which is technically unnamed yet right now is unofficially named. So we're not gonna, I can't say the name <laughs> just yet of it, but, um, you're not gonna. You're not gonna go. It seems like super obvious to me to call it like the her came leadership again. You would think, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's been thrown out there. All right, all right. Trust me. <laughs> I got you. I got you. But I will say the word her will probably be in it somewhere. <laughs> I got you. Very but nice. right, exactly. I am there with you, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so yeah, so I oversee our leadership development, career development, really trying to figure out exactly what's going to work best with our students when it comes to career readiness and preparation. Um, you know, this is a private institution, so our students, I think, are just a little bit different from what I'm used to. So just trying to understand what it is that they would, you know, what kind of careers they want to pursue and just helping them get to that place for, for whatever that may. And so trying to figure out what that model looks like here is something that I'm trying to figure out and work on. I did not know that, that Miami was private. You would Most think, people don't. Right. All these years <laughs> in education, you would think I would, would be aware of that, but yeah, that's I know. And that's what, when I moved, before I moved here, I kept telling people it's a private institution. They were like, really? Like so many people did not know, realize that Miami was a private institution. Yeah. And that does, I mean, there's in a variety of capacities, it changes, you know, the, sometimes the ability for donors are significantly more at a private institution. There's kind of less pieces to jump through different things like that. But yeah, I had no idea. Learn yeah. something, learn something new today. <laughs> So you you touched on this being the co-chair for the engagement subcommittee, obviously um, working that with Alexander, y'all passed the, the rare, he passed the reins to me and you now this year, but why was that, um, why was that committee something that you felt like you wanted to be involved in and, and it, from a leadership standpoint, especially why was the co-chair position, you know, kind of appealing to you? You know, the one thing that I've realized through all of my experiences is that while I've had all these different experiences from being a social worker, you know, working doing offenders, um, being in athletics, everything that I do, like I'm more, I feel more in my natural state when I'm helping people and helping them develop. And with the subcommittee, the goal is to help, you know, provide professional development to the membership. And so for me, that was the appealing piece was that I was still able to try to figure out a way to help people develop in some type of way professionally for the membership. So that was really the most, um, the thing that appealed to me most was just trying to help people grow and develop professionally. Absolutely. And that came back and helped you to grow and develop yes. professionally too. So. <laughs> The, uh, and yes, now I have another wonderful co-chair. <laughs> the the co-chair <laughs> gift that just keeps on giving. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so you talked a little bit about the Women's uh, Leadership Academy, uh, the unnamed Women's Leadership Academy. So yeah. I'm assuming that's going to be one of kind of the next big things. But what else, as far as, you know, you've been there seven months, probably had a decent amount of time now to kind of assess what's been going on the student athletes that you're working with, those kind of things. What, what's kind of the vision for student athlete development at Miami? 
I mean, I think for the most part, you know, we're always going to do keep the student first and um, and just in that people sense of students, you know, the, the, the big thing that I don't ever want to do is get so caught up in the the data and the outcomes that we forget that we're dealing with people and that we're dealing with young people. So that is always going to be first and foremost is just to make sure that whatever we do, we're putting our students first. And, you know, I'll be quite transparent. We've done a lot of stuff virtually. So this is really the first semester that we've been able to do things in person. And when I say in person, like just we just got like our mask mandate lifted. lifted. So mm. I'm just now kind of almost like getting to know people like by their actual face. And so, um, so it still feels a little new in that sense that it's not um, virtual or that, you know, I can actually see people when I'm talking to them. And so, you know, we, we've talked about doing some revamping. Not sure exactly what that looks like yet. You know, we will have our new leadership um, program, but then also the big thing is going to be revamping um, our career readiness for our student athletes just because, you um, that was probably one of the areas that we needed the most improvement on. And so in that sense, you know, we, we, we partner with our Topple Career Center here on campus, but then also just really trying to hone in onto what our student athletes actually need. And so that's going to be, you know, the focus for the next couple of months for me, especially is just like trying to roll out in the fall what is this new career development model that we're going to have for our student athletes and um, and what that looks like. But, you know, we are big on community engagement. And so the other member of our team, she spends a lot of her time trying to get our you know, finding opportunities for our students to get engaged and involved in the community. And so we still keep that in, you know, our, our model of the different things that we focus on and you know, I think for us, because we're a place where our student athletes kind of like to come and hang out, um, we're fortunate to be able to get a good pulse on what they need and the things that they're talking about. So that also lends to our just personal development with them. So whether it's working individually with the student athlete, because we've noticed, you know, either a behavior or they've talked about something or maybe a coach has mentioned something. So whether it's working individually with someone or is it just like a team thing like you know, with NIL, we got this, you know, somebody just mentioned today, we need to talk about taxes, you know, and it's not that we haven't, but it's like, we probably need to talk about them again, you know, and right. so those are just some of those things that, you know, as new things pop up, like, a lot of it's going to fall into our space. And so just being ready to um, take on all of the new things that one, we didn't even think, you know, NIL was something that I think people, we weren't, we weren't sure how to handle NIL, you know, it was, I remember when it, it you know, went into effect, everyone's like, okay, now what, you know, right. and now we got, you know, it's been under our belt for a few months and people are getting a better grasp of it and just all the changes and whatnot. So, um, so yeah, so we're just trying to really focus on, you know, keeping our students first, but then just helping them grow and development, grow and develop um, professionally, personally, um, leadership wise and all those other things. So two questions, you don't have to answer them at the same time. One is um, building trust, like being in a new place, building trust with student athletes to get them to, you know what I mean? Like if that trust isn't there or the personal relationships aren't there, you don't get those pulse kind of things that you're talking about. Right. Second question um, with coming out of your mask mandate, coming out of kind of the, the, 
I don't want to say coming out of the COVID era because that pandemic is not until it's officially declared over. I'm not saying that it's over, but exactly. going from the virtual aspects, you know, that we were in for such, such a long time when it comes to programming now kind of transitioning out of that, that phase, I'm curious to know what you found to be helpful. Is there anything you're leaving behind all that good kind of stuff? So I'll, whichever one you want to answer first COVID or building trust, I'll leave it to okay. you. Um, but yeah, let's, let's go from there. I think with building trust. So that's interesting because I do feel, you know, when I first got here, we were in COVID um, protocols still a lot. And um, it was, I, I kind of felt that way, just like, how am I going to build this trust with them? Because I left a place where I had, you know, done that for six to seven years. And it was like, I was leaving all these students that I knew really well. And so coming here and not having that same interaction, because I am, um, I purposely keep my office for the students. Like, you know, I mean, I try to make it a place where they feel welcome. And, you know, I was hopeful that when I got here, they could sense that, you know, and, and I'll be honest, so it took a lot of, um, you know, my, my um, director, um, my supervisor, Sherelle Jackson, you know, she would introduce me to every student that we ran into, you know, and she would talk me up. I mean, it made me feel great. She'd be like, and she's the guru in this, and she's the expert in this, and she can help you do these things, you know, so I had her as my cheerleader, um, kind of given, because, you know, she's been here for a while, so the students already trusted her, and so having her, um, you know, be that cheerleader for me and then just getting our getting the students into my space. And I, like I said, I feel that I'm pretty good with um, establishing relationships with people. And so once I got them like to my office, um, I'll be honest, I have my I don't know if we'll be showing this, but I have my like candy dish here. And so it is um, full of a variety of candies. And so we tell them all the time, like even if you just need a quick little pick me up, stop by my office. So if they come in, they're not just going to walk in, grab a piece of candy and walk out. So they come in, I start talking to them. And so I've been able to build trust that way. I also have what I call my calm corner over here in my office. And it's just like a basket of toys and puzzles and fidget things and, you know, something for them to be able to um, just, you know, play with. And what I'm and I feel like I picked that up from my social work background. As soon mm -hmm. as they get to plan with those things their minds start, you know, they, they loosen up and I can like start asking questions and really start talking to them. And so that's another tool that I utilize. And then with that, you know, once you like, you know, form a good relationship with one student, then it eventually, you know, they're telling a teammate or, you know, they're like, oh, I'm just hanging out in Miss Latoya's office. So now they want to come to see why they're hanging out in Miss Latoya's office. Right. And um, so then they end up, you know, there's a ton of people sitting here in my office while I'm trying to work. But um, I think those are the best ways to really start establishing that trust. And, you know, even if it's just through a resume critique, I don't just like critique the resume and send them on their way. You know, we talk about different things like, you know, how the major is going, what are, you know, some of the challenges or some of the um, some of the positive things that are going on. So just trying to really get to know them on a certain level so that they don't they're not just another face that walked into my office, you know, so that's what I would do to build trust with my student athletes. Um, as far as like the transition and programming, that is, like I said, that's been interesting because again, starting here virtually and then also wearing masks, like I think people recognize me, but I didn't recognize the students all the time, you know? And so I would just be like, I think that might be such and such, you know? <laughs> and um, so now that we no longer have masks, it, it is like learning people over again. It's like, 
I think that was such and such, but I can't remember now because, you know, or you're seeing someone, you're like, oh, that's what your whole face looks like. Right. <laughs> um, so with that transition and programming, I think, you know, one, I, I would say that for me, whenever I'm getting in front of a student, uh, in front of a group, you know, I typically am very expressive. I like to smile and be engaging and a mask would always um, technically mask that. And so um, mm -hmm. I felt like I couldn't, like people couldn't see the real me because I couldn't see my whole face. And so now it's just great being in front of students and one, not having to wear that mask, being able to smile and joke. And they can tell that I'm joking, you know, as opposed to, I'm not quite sure if this is a joke or not, you know? So I do believe that, you know, the mask, getting rid of, getting rid of the mask has helped, but then that is not the exact question you asked me. <laughs> so No, you're good. You're good. So, so the mask, I think is a big piece of it, but just in general, as you, you know, you got there, you're doing virtual programming almost exclusively in a lot of places. I don't know if that was the, the situation in Miami, um, but moving now away from exclusively virtual, either into a hybrid setting or into just fully in person again, are there things you've noticed that you're leaving behind from, you know, that virtual era, things that you're like, oh, that worked actually pretty well. We can take that with us. Obviously, you were you jumped into Miami when when that was already happening. So there's no like, you know, pre-pandemic. What was it like? Are, are there things you're changing from that? But maybe even from your experience at at Ohio State, you know, are there things um, just in general that you know, as you transition to this new normal, whatever that is, mm -hmm. um, what, it, what does it look like is I guess the key question I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, you know, in some ways it was easier being virtual because no one had to travel anywhere. You could just like log in from wherever and that did make it easier. So I think scheduling sometimes now is still a bit challenging because you do have to think about like, okay, are people going to want to come back to campus if we have this event at this time? And, you know, um, they've already gone home for the day. And so like the timing of, of things is, I think a little bit, um, is a little bit more of a challenge, but I mean, that was a challenge before, but I think, you know, people got comfortable just like, okay, you know, I got out of bed and I logged on to my computer and now it's like, oh no, you have to get up and get dressed and do this and do all that, you know, to go to this right. event. So I think they're a lot more intentional um, with attending events because it's not as simple as it was before with COVID and so, or with um, the virtual aspect of it. So I think the biggest thing probably for us is just like the scheduling. Um, we are focusing on in-person. Um, again, with our area being very high touch when it comes to student athletes, as far as just like the interactions, the tech piece was cool, but it still couldn't give that same, um, you know, feel that, you know, the, the, the actual feeling that you get from, mm -hmm. you know, seeing someone in person and, you know, or just the vibe, you know, today we were talking about how the vibe in the building just felt different, you know, and it's like, everybody was positive and, you know, you know, it seems like they were just like everybody was speaking and it was just like very high energy and you don't get that in, you know, in a virtual setting. And yeah. so those are some of the things that, you know, I've noticed as a difference is just that you can actually feel that now, as opposed to, just, um, you know, having someone do a thumbs up reaction, you know, right. <laughs> on their Zoom camera. So, right. um, and then just being able to see the students um, and see them thriving pretty much now, like you can actually see it and not just hope that they are.
Right. Right. That makes sense. So, okay. I have one final question for you. Um, and this is a, it's the show is called power the journey, right? So we've talked kind of about your journey to date, but if you could kind of turn back the dial and, and talk to 18 year old Latoya, what might that conversation look like? Wow. So one, (laughs) I would probably, I would tell 18 year old Latoya that, um, to be as authentic as possible in all realms. And I say that just in the sense that while I've always felt like I've been myself, there are times that I held back on some things because I wasn't quite sure what people would think or say or do. And um, and at the end of the day, I realize now that they're gonna like you or they're not, you know, regardless of what you do. So whether you're being fake or being authentic, people are gonna like you, you know, people are gonna be like, oh my God, you smile too much. And so they're not gonna like me for that reason. So to just be <laughs> as authentic as I can. And and there's definitely times that I feel like I could have taken more um being more assertive in my own career journey. And I say that because while I loved what I did at um, at K-State and even prior to that, when I was a social worker, I probably stayed in social work two years too long because it just got to that point where I was like, I don't like my job anymore and I'm getting headaches coming in here and I'm thinking about it all the time. It's causing me anxiety. So I stayed in that job too long. And then when I got to K-State and knew that I wanted to be in athletics, I got too comfortable being in career services. And so it took when I finally got to that point of you're helping everybody with their dreams and not your own that I was like, okay, you've been here long enough. It's time for you to move on. And the same, I would even say probably with Ohio state, you know, it's like, I was very comfortable. I didn't want to leave that situation because it was what I knew and what I felt I was good at. So I think that was for me has been the, the one thing is just like, you know, to really take um, control of my own career destinations and not just wait for something to happen in that space. I love it. I love it. Good advice. Good advice. All right. Well, Latoya, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to catch up with you as always and to talk more about all the great things going on at the U and and beyond. Thank you so much, Taylor. Absolutely. If you enjoyed our conversation today, please let us know. You can like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check back in next week as we interview another industry leader. And don't forget, your journey has power.